Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Glory Glory My Night podcast. I'm your host, Kel Quinn, and joining me today is Brush and Hanif. Welcome to the show, guys. Evening, Paul. Thank you for having us on. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on after that result. Um, perfect uh, to do this podcast just after the game when we're on a high. So, United went 1-0 down to Barcelona. Stupid penalty given away by Bruno Fernandes. Um, almost saved by De Gea. But uh, second half performance. Again, it was like night and day just out the Leicester game, wasn't it, Brush? Yeah, it was exactly like that. A game of two halves. It's becoming a thing. Yeah, I thought United were absolutely lacklustre in the first half. And then one wee tweak, um, Anthony comes on for Vykhurst and it's just a totally different game. Um, and we got the goals. Fred, Fred with the... He shinned it, didn't he? Um, Fred, he's just a just another one of those Fred performances where he's and then getting a goal as well. Um, and then Anthony came on. Um, he was the left back, um, but absolutely excellent uh, from Anthony. Um, brilliant. Um, so, what did you make of the second half performance then, Brush? Oh, incredible stuff. Uh, scintillating second half. I don't know why we can't start games that way. Um, like you said in the first, very shaky. Um, though De Gea got his hand to it, I think he really should have saved that, to be honest. Um, but we know how De Gea is with penalties. Um, and at half time, you're thinking it might be one of those days, you know. And then coming out in the second half, it was imperative that we were the ones to score first. If you go 2 0 down, I think, you know, the morale drops and your head drops. Um, and it becomes very difficult then. Um, but yeah, uh, good in-game management by Ten Hag. I felt that he saw what a lot of us were seeing. You could tell in the first half that this wasn't the game for Weggy. Um, he took him off and what a difference it made. Yeah, I had and to shout say... out to Fred as well. Yeah. Incredible stuff from Fred. Um, he, he's, uh, he's got a habit of being Jekyll and Hyde in the same game, Fred. Um, he can go missing for large parts of the game and then he can turn up as well. And in the second half, he definitely turned up. The energy was there, the intensity was there. There was end product. There was everything you could want from him, really. The players must have got an absolute rollicking in halftime. Um, and yeah, Fred was one of the players you know, at halftime. I was thinking, yeah, take him off. It's, n- it's not Fred's day. It's one of those days where he's playing very poorly and needs to be substituted. But uh, it was the other Fred in the second half. He's like Jacqueline Hyde. Um, magnificent from him. Um, thought most of United's players were fantastic. Um, and once again, Ten Hag with the, the substitutions, um, he, he can he always seems to be able to change the game perfectly when it's not going well. And once again, just one wee sub uh, and one tweak and move a few players around, and all of a sudden, um, United are dominating the game. I think Barcelona were totally shell shocked by Fred's goal, weren't they? All their heads seemed to go down. They weren't, and I think we scored about. Uh, 90 seconds into the second half and they were rattled by that and then uh, we got the second one uh, and then it was with a lot of defending to do then I was very frustrated by Sancho's defending at the far post for the Jules Koundé chance that uh, De Gea made a fantastic save from didn't even challenge um, I thought Sancho was probably the only player uh, who wasn't doing enough uh, off the ball but I suppose it's just uh, he could put that down to a lack of match fitness or it's just not his game but anyway, um, United were magnificent in that second half. Um, and the, the, the interviewing the two players on the pitch, the the atmosphere, you wouldn't believe that this was like a, a last 32 playoff in the Europa League. But I suppose it's given that it's the team, it's Barcelona, it's the team top of La Liga. It really should be, number one, you could say it should be the final of the Europa League. And number two, you'd say it really should be a Champions League tie. Um, but... Uh, after all that effort of those two legs against Barca, we're only into the last 16 of the Europa League. That's that's a bit disappointing, isn't it, Hanif, given you'd expect us to be a bit further along in a competition uh, after beating Barcelona, wouldn't you? Yeah, look, um, obviously you're going by history. History is, um, stands with both clubs, but Unfortunately, if you don't run a football club properly and you don't run with the times, uh, it catches up to um, to to every club. I think um, I think it just shows how strong the European um, competitions are, especially when you get when you get to the knockout stages. I think um, this is where the especially um, the top European competitions 
this is when they, for me this is when this this is when I start watching them because no, playing knockout football compared to playing football to get uh, to qualify uh, for the knockouts is is completely different the pressure is different and um, I always uh, I've always felt that um, the Champions League the Europa League always start in February when these ties kick off um, you know fantastic it was a fantastic game and I think um, you saw a bit of a bit of everything from from both teams um, you know for me um, United deserved to win but the one thing I liked about Barcelona and, and I think one thing that you have to give them a lot of credit for is and I think we don't have it we don't do it well in England is their passing their passing is yep. on another level I was just like what's going on here it's been a while since I watched Barca properly and I was just and I'm just like under Xavi who's not been there that long and and the passing is second to none and I just think uh, I just look at some of those players and I wouldn't expect them to make to have that passing ability but they do but that's Barcelona for you but you know what you know credit to um, Manchester United um, I think uh, once Ten Hag made made the tactical switches um, he, he got it right I think he knows what the deficiencies of the squad are I think um, I think I think he risked uh, a little bit in this tie thinking that Sancho would um, start uh, or carry on from where he left off in the last um, uh, league game but I still think he's a he's a player you bring on. I don't think he is he warrants a starting place at this moment in time for Manchester United. Um, I think United need to look elsewhere, um, and then give him the time that he needs because he's he's just not that guy. But when you bring him on, he he he'll have the impact that you need. Um, I just want to say I thought Fred was absolutely magnificent second half. Honestly, you could recognize. Honestly, I. At one point, I said he's earned his Brazilian passport. That guy is uh, Brazilian, <laughs> and um, but you know what? You have to give Ten Hag a lot of credit, and um, and he didn't he didn't look happy at two two goals as well. So there's a lot. I think there's I think there's a lot of talent there, and I think there's a lot of room for improvement as well. And I think if Ten Hag was to get another four players in the summertime, you know, I think this team will look completely different. Um, you know, great defensive work as well um, by the back four today. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, but, but yeah, it's it was a bit of an odd game. I felt I felt the pressure got to the lads a little bit um, at the beginning, first half, and and I think mm-hmm. Bruno just needs to he needs to know when to like turn his aggression on and when not to. Because you have to you have to remember when you're playing in uh, European competitions. The refereeing is completely different to when um, you're playing in league games. Our the left, I would say the refs in our Premier League allow a little bit more physicality compared to European competitions. So you need to be very careful on how you go about things, especially in the box, because um, you probably Bruno, they might not have given Bruno's handball. It just, it, it, I mean Bruno's penalty. It just depends on how you see the game, but European refs tend to be more sensitive, if that's the mm-hmm. right word, in terms yeah. of, in terms of things like that. But you know, overall, uh, credit to Man United, and uh, and yeah, you know, the right team went through. Um, they got the job done. Well, I thought it was a penalty. Um, Bruno said in his post-match interview that uh, that he thought it wasn't, but for me, it was, and it was a silly challenge to make inside the box, but. He got away with it. Um, uh, he, he he again was like night and day when when it came to like the first half and the second half. Like many others, um, thought he was brilliant in the second half. Um, and yeah, Pred was probably the best player on the pitch. But um, what an intervention from Varane at the ender! I really thought Barcelona had had equalised. I think it might have been an offside given in the build up to Lewin, an offside for Lewandowski in the build up, but. What a goal-saving challenge from Varane. Um, Brush was, was magnificent, wasn't it? He was my man of the match today. Uh, so cool, calm and composed. Uh, both of the centre-backs, actually. Both of them. First half, it was Martinez. Second half, it was Varane. Uh, without them, we would be out of the competition, no doubt. Um, De Gea, as good as that save was against Kunde, and that was a magnificent save. Uh, in the first half, we saw his deficiencies as well. 
Uh, it's always been an issue with the kicking. And, you know, if it weren't for Martinez there to clear up his mistake, we could have got punished again. Yeah, I thought Martinez was just winning everything inside our penalty box um, for the 90 minutes. So thought, and I was really yeah. impressed. At one time, I, well, the flag had been raised anyway, but what Frank Kessie was in, uh, Martinez was on to him. Um, and yeah, he just, you know, he just sets a marker. Uh, he just lets them know, like, it doesn't matter if the flag's gone up, whatever. Like, he's not giving up nothing. Wasn't it was an interesting substitution? I thought Wam Saka was playing well. And he took him off for Dallow. I thought that might be risky because that would put put Dallow in a one on one defending situation, which I'm not comfortable when Dallow's in that situation. But uh, it worked out okay. Um, Dallow, he obviously did, Ten Hag decided said that he wanted to, to put on the the more offensive right back and really go for it. Um, I thought that at the time I was thinking, oh, that's risky because. Dallow's defending isn't quite as good as Juan Bissaka, and we're playing against Barcelona and uh, Sergio Sergio Roberto in particular was playing down that side, so I was a bit worried. But uh, it worked out. Uh, like all those Ten Hag substitutions seem to work out these days. And um, who who have any who are any of us to question what he does, even if it doesn't make even Anthony coming on? I was like, really? I mean, he hasn't played in the last four games, um, and he can be frustrating, you know, with his one footedness. But again, no, we have to hold our hands up. Ten Hag, Ten Hag got it right again. What a magnificent finish that was, Hanif, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I think Kyle, you know, I think um I think Anthony's gonna be a slow burner. But the talent is there because as soon as he came on, um I don't know if you saw it when uh he he got into the box and he kicked it and uh, he kicked I think he kicked it to the Barcelona player or he kicked it off the Barcelona player. So he seems to be making at times when he's in great positions, the wrong decision. He doesn't yeah. understand that you don't always have to shoot. And because you, as a as a winger, you should be looking, he shouldn't be doing what, what Marcus Rashford does. Marcus Rashford is a forward who's been turned into a wide player. You could say he's a wide forward, whereas Anthony should be a winger. So you expect more assists from Anthony. Um, then and I think that's and I think that'll come in time. I think I think he's gonna I think he's just gonna be one of those guys that's gonna be frustrating. But I think there's a player in him as well. But the only thing is this: you've got you you're gonna have Ganacho there just in case um, it doesn't uh, it doesn't fall right. But you know what? He took his goal well. This is attitude. I love his attitude. I think for me that for me that's why he gets into that team sometimes. Just that attitude alone because you know he's a dog. And sometimes you need a dog on the. There's not many wingers in the world that you're thinking, "Wow, this guy's a dog. This is the right guy we want on the wing." I can't remember the last time I saw a winger of that nature, like a dog. You you normally have like a centre back or a striker. He's the first person that I see on the wing that's like a dog, and I just think, you know, what fair play to you. But listen, look, I I think he's. For me, I I really like him, and I think he's only going to get better. He's he's another one. He just needs coach. He, He needs more coaching. This isn't Holland. So we have to remember that, but yeah, he played really well. Yeah, yeah, and uh, brilliant finish, but also his work rate uh, down that that side was brilliant on uh, for the forty five minutes that he was on the pitch. Um, uh, but the, obviously, the only drawback for Anthony was every time he get into a, an attacking position down that side, he would either make the wrong decision or just uh, or shoot when he should be passing type thing. Um, sometimes the ball just seems to he cuts inside and then he hits the ball against the the left back shins. Uh, just uh, that was a bit frustrating. Each, but then that that goal just makes up for everything. That was just, the technique was was pure Brazilian, um, and yeah, I was I was absolutely elated when that went in because um, I had a feeling then that was going to be our night at that point. Um, yeah, so and. Yeah, De Gea had to play his role again. Yeah, magnificent goalkeeping when he's called upon. Just a bit, uh, was it with his feet again? It was a bit concerning, wasn't there? Uh, an incident in the first half where uh, De Gea was playing it out uh, and he gave it away. And I think it had to result in Casemiro making a crucial block. Have I got that right, Brush? Um, in yeah, the first yeah. Half, wasn't it? yeah, yeah. And then Martinez, all of the back four had to do their bit, really, uh, when he messed up. And that's a part of his game that we need to try and eliminate. Uh, especially on these kind of occasions. Yeah, I mean, any t- any time 
the guy receives the ball, I just want him to launch it. Just go long because when he starts to play around, I'm like, oh no, he's going to give it away here. He's going to make a wrong decision. Uh, especially in this week as well. We saw some absolute clangers from top goalkeepers in the Champions League the other night with Allison yeah. and Courtois. Uh, absolute shambles. Um, so, you know, it does happen. It does happen. Yeah, it certainly does. You know what I've noticed at the moment, Brush? Um, I don't know. Hanif might have noticed as well if he's if he's seen all the recent United games. Um, that when it comes to um the winger, whoever the winger is that starts, whether it be uh, Sancho, Garnacho, or Anthony, um, especially when it comes to uh, him, Sancho and Garnacho, whoever they starts don't do the game, so well. they don't do well. But when they come on as a sub, <laughs> when they come on as a sub, they're great. Yeah, yeah, because I felt exactly the same about uh, Nacho coming on today. Because uh, at the weekend we were watching him going, oh, it's a bit lackluster. Today he comes on and it was great. Yeah, um, Sancho came on as a sub at the weekend against Leicester, and he was brilliant. And yeah, then, yeah. Uh, I think you know what it is with Sancho as well. I think um, not only do we have to ease him in and take time with him, but it's about where you play him. For me, when you play him out wide, he's never going to be one of those players that just takes on the fullback and goes around them and outpaces people. But you know, if we look back at the goal he scored against Leicester, like that's the kind of position you need to get get Sancho in. You need to get the ball to him. He's great when you play one two touch football and you know pass and move. That's that's his game. Yeah, Sancho's probably more of a number ten than a winger really. He's a good yeah. technical player, but doesn't have the, the, the pace uh, to really go past people. Um he can play that's, in that position if need be. Probably not as strong. He's a liability he, he's a liability as well because we saw it if you play him on the wing yep. because the expectation of coming back and defending because at first when I was watching um, the hair uh, make that save, I, I was just thinking, whose man is he? And, I, and I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, the last person I thought that would have been with him was Sancho. I was just like, dear, what are you doing with him? <laughs> and, um, and, I just, and I just think to myself, if he's going to play that central position, then he needs to not be given the opportunity to come right back into the box unless it's like a, a free kick or a corner kick or something because... It's it's just unfortunately some players just don't they don't have it in terms of like being able to like keep keep you don't need to defend well you just need to keep up with them and Kunde is a much bigger lad than him so he was always going to win that aerial um, but you have to make a challenge battle. so I don't think he's, he, he's, he's like, about he doesn't know how to Kunde. Is he for sure? Right, yeah. he's, he's about five eight or five nine. All oh, right, four. I thought he was about. I thought he was about six foot. But like, all right, but they will take it. Right, Kyle it is Sancho's fault. He's just not good enough. So yeah, you've got to, you've got to play him number ten. But I think Ten Hag should just do what he's doing with Sancho. I think play him off the bench for the season, build his confidence slowly, and then just bring him on because. The part, the season and a half has not been. It's only the last couple of games where he's been all right, and I don't think he's a starter for United yet. I think you, I just think you, there's some players that unfortunately they're just not going to be starters for United, and Sancho is one of them. I just think he should just carry on doing what he's doing, and just wait until next season with him because I, th- I think he'll come back then. He's just a very some players, especially English players from the past, we know. They're slow burners. English players have always been slow burners, and he's the same. In a cut, in about a year or two's time, he'll be fine. Next season, I think he'll be fine, but at the moment, he won't be. I think the just... trouble is as well, Anif, it's the size of our squad at the moment, um, with the amount of games we've got coming up as well. Like we, since the return uh, after the World Cup, I think we've had two games a week. So it's one of those where, you know, we need all the bodies we can get and there is going to be rotation. Um, so if he's ready or not, we're going to have to just manage him. And I do think it's going to be a, a rotation between him and Nacho from now to the end of the season. Yeah, definitely. It just seems to be whoever uh, wants some, once one one of uh, Sancho or Garnacho, um has a plays well off the bench they get rewarded with the start and then they don't play well when they start yeah yeah um, and then we just repeat the cycle again but vice versa the other way around um, yeah. the one player I would like to see a little bit more of I think I touched on it in the last one uh, uh, last stream that we did as well is Pelestri but I don't really know when we're gonna gonna see him 
And in certain games like today, I can't really fault the manager because obviously you would risk bringing on Pelestri in a game like this. No, Pelestri is one of those game, one of those players that in an FA Cup game where we're winning three 0 they bring him on. Um, yeah, but he's not going to play in a game like this. Yeah, like in the last game, I thought it would have been a perfect opportunity. Really surprised, surprised that Marcel Sabitzer didn't even play any part in this game. Um, but do you think that's down to the way Fred stepped up in that second half? Yeah, I would say so. Um, but when he brought off Rashford, who I hope is not going to be injured for the cup final, by the way, and uh, Casemiro as well, he took a, a heavy blow from one, was it Lewandowski? He got a card for his. Um, this challenge on, on Casemiro, we caught him with the studs around the ankle. Um, I thought you had Rashford limping and Casemiro on the floors, thinking this is the last thing we need three days before a cup final. Um, hopefully they'll be okay. Easy when Rashford picks up a knock, and you think, oh, what's going to what's going to be like? What's the what's the pro, pro, what's the diagnosis going to be? And he just plays the next game. Um, you, you, that's just Rashford for you. Um, and Casemiro, he, he seemed to run it off, so hopefully he's okay. But he brought on McTominay to see out the game rather than Sabitzer, but I suppose McTominay is going to... More defensive. Yeah, and he just, he'll take a card all day long within the game, so, so yeah. it's Sabitzer. But uh, McTominay seemed to go up front. I suppose if if you have to play a makeshift centre-forward, McTominay is obviously more suited to that role uh, than Sabitzer, but yeah. Um, yeah. The manager got it right again, bringing on Anthony and the Garnacho. The only the, the only complaint I have with Garnacho at the moment is that haircut, the the real slim <laughs> I mean, To be honest, it wasn't the greatest of haircuts before, but now that it's bleach blonde as well. <laughs> <laughs> Every young player seems to go through that phase. Yeah, yeah. It's like they just walk into the barbershop and say, just put a bowl on my head and cut around it, please. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's hideous, but uh, it doesn't matter to me if he's if he's scoring goals. Yeah, listen, league. as long as he does the business on the pitch, I don't I don't really care what kind of hairstyle he sports. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, and I have to say that unfortunately, um, Vut Vikhorst, who who has you know been really good in games, um, with the with his endeavor doing the, like a, a duck. Uh, to use the term that you used earlier, honey, a dog is what exactly what Vikhorst is. Um, not many goals in him, but uh, boy does he try. But he looked out of his depth tonight. Um, you know this this game was different quality, mm-hmm. and he I don't think he really belonged in a United versus Barcelona game, did he? It's it's Europe. You have to you have to remember you can't the Premier League and and European competition is completely different because. You can't you can't play the same. You're not playing a Premier League team because a lot of Premier League teams their defenses are really rock solid. Whereas Barca are, are a team that play football. You know the the passing ability alone shows you that these guys are not these guys. There's more to them than that. And I, and they were just passing it around him. He couldn't he couldn't get into the game because sometimes it's you you are, a player needs to use his intelligence to actually okay I can't do what I normally do. Can I support in another way? Okay, so I might only be able to support aerially today or go and support one of the sides. Uh, or I think what should have happened is they should have, I think they should have switched him, switched him around with whoever was behind him and get him in midfield or something or just play. Uh, or get, uh, I don't know where Rashford was playing because I didn't watch the first half, but just. Just try something different with them, give him 10 or 15 minutes doing something else. And I just think players need to use their own intelligence a little bit when it comes to doing that. I think some form, I don't think Ten Hag's the, the, the type of manager that wouldn't say yes to that because he likes free flowing. But it's just one of those games that unfortunately is, you know, I think uh, as you guys have pointed out that uh, because you've got so many games, you just have to put him in just to make sure that. Because they, you might not have had somebody else ready to play, uh, um, to play from the start. But yeah, listen, look, I think he's, I think he's, I think he's one for the Premier League, definitely. And I just think once Ten Hag, team, Ten Hag's team is um, more uh, complete next season, I think he's just he's going to be um, a decent option. Yeah. Um, so the. The, the United fans at the end were chanting, Frankie, Frankie, what's the score? Um, but I do have to say, um, he just epitomised you know, Barcelona's ability to keep the ball. He, I don't think he gave the ball away all night. And 
boy was he working hard as well. Uh, he actually, in defeat for Barca, um, I thought Frankie de Jong was impressive tonight. And I can see why Ten Hag rates him so highly. Um, so did you notice that yourself then, Brush? Very much so. And, you know, now with Casemiro there as well, you can only imagine what that would look like if we could get a player like that who's good at progressing the ball. Um, yeah, I thought it was a credit to himself today. Uh, and like Hanif touched on, uh, Barcelona are so good at passing the ball. And surprising that they could still do it to that level with the amount of first-teamers they've had out missing as well. The likes of Dembele and Gabi um, and Pedri, um, you know, this is very dangerous. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. They really wanted it tonight, Barcelona. Um, even even uh, when Martinez was um, venturing forward, uh, Lewandowski was tracking him every step of the way. Um, so they wanted it as much as we did. Um, I have to I have to say, um, Ronald, you no, know, the the centre back of Barcelona, he's a he's a brilliant defender. That uh, guy, uh, Araujo. Yeah, yeah, I Ronald like Araujo. him. I'm a fan of yeah. Araujo. He's, he's good. Yeah, and it was a bit of play acting from him in the in the first half, um, at the right at the start of the game, but uh, which obviously was annoying United fans. But he was, I thought he was really good. He he prevented Rashford from scoring in the second half. Um, I think Rashford went down uh, after they came together, but uh, that was really really good defending. Um, so yeah, he was he was really impressive. Um, Christensen has been good all season for them. Um, he's been re- rejuvenated. Um. Just want to quickly touch on that, Hanif, as, as he was a former Chelsea player. Um, have you been surprised how good Christensen has been for, for Barcelona? I don't like the guy. I just don't <laughs> like the guy. I've never... He's, he's, he's a... Look, Christensen's a very good player. Um, I think... Um, I wouldn't say he was, like, top class for it. Like, he's always world class. But I just think he fits a Barcelona style. Um, I think he's... He, he was available and they, they they took him basically. He's decent. Look, he's a good player. It'll be it'll be it'll be a it'll be an upgrade to what they had. But um, I I never thought of him very highly. And uh, I was just one of those Chelsea fans that just thought, yeah, because I saw his development and I saw him coming through the ranks and he used to make so many mistakes. They were decent tonight. I'm not going to say he wasn't, but he's not one that I missed. To be fair, uh, Rudiger's one I missed, but. That's a different story, but you know, look, Barca got a very good team, and um, I think it would have been very, it would have been nice to have seen Pedri and Gabi tonight at Old Trafford. It would have been, you know, and, and I think that's the sad thing about. Um, I think UEFA need to look at these. Like uh, one of them was suspended. Just let these guys play, man. You, oh you no, they stop. don't. Honey. I think this so, is fantastic <laughs> for you to say as a neutral. <laughs> no, I know that, but it's it's just for one us, of those it things. would have just been added stress. I, I see what you mean, though. You know, uh, it's, for it's, the big European nights, you want to see the best it, players in action. I you you want you want to see these guys in action because, um, hmm. especially Pedri, he's he's the one that I think is going to be really special. I, I I think he from the two, I think he's the one that's going to be because I I saw him last year and I was so impressed with. How good this kid is, and and I was asked to uh, to rate him from five players, which included Sancho and Saka and and, and a couple of others, and I put him straight at the top. And it's just a shame that yeah, he was he's out today. He's definitely up there, isn't and he? Uh, as yeah. the upcoming talents, him. Yeah, uh, I quite like the kid at Bayern Munich as well, uh, Musiala. Yeah, the the English German lad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, he looks really good. Yeah, honey. Yeah, sorry. Honey, if you were sounding a bit like Gary Lineker there uh, on on Saturday when he was talking about Nick Pope, he was saying, "Let him play in the cup final. Let him play." I don't know. Now you've told me. Now you've told me this. I sound like it. I take it back. But um, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't watch much at day anymore, so I wouldn't know <laughs> what what goes on. Um, I tend to. I tend not to watch much uh, um, bias the football anymore because. When you're watching it, and when that, and when someone's talking, you there's two different things going on. Mum's like, no, that's not what's happened. But um, yeah, listen, look, it was, it was tremendous by Barcelona tonight. I thought, I thought, I thought they they had more of a goal than I thought they would. And um, and if it wasn't for De Gea today, 
it's going to be very interesting for Man United what they do with the hair because it's just the problem is is if you go down the modern day keeper route, he's not a modern day keeper. He's a fantastic. I've always said he's the best shot stopper in the world. You can't. But this is the problem we have though, Henry, because there's so, no standout candidate side so, at the moment. Like, no, I think there the... will be in the summertime. I think Ken Hag will know who he wants. I, I'm, yeah. I'm telling you right now. Yeah, no, even know some, who he wants. Even some of the names I've heard, I've heard mentioned. Uh, yeah, they fit the, you know, the. I'm not going to lie. I don't know any of them. <laughs> I don't know any of them. <laughs> so <laughs> even so, yeah, some of the names like uh, the the Porto goalkeeper um, Diogo Costa. Uh, you probably remember from the World Cup. Um, uh, David Ray has been mentioned as well. Um, and again, these. Mm-hmm. These keepers, yes, like when it comes to distribution and all the rest of it, yeah, it fits in. But when it comes to the shop stuff and ability, though, none of them can touch David. Yeah, the problem no, is, true. no matter who you bring in, it's going to be a downgrade in terms of in terms yeah. of shot stopping. Um, uh, and I think that's that's what's going to go in know, his favor, isn't yeah, it? I suppose you have to try and find a ba- you have to try and find a balance. You know, a, a player who's good with his feet, but it's not much of a downgrade from the game when it comes that's, to stopping. Yeah, that's trying. what it is. And especially, yeah. like, we know goalkeepers, usually they come into their own uh, once they're a bit older. So if you do go for someone in their 20s uh, with these other attributes, you just got to make sure that the shot stopping isn't too far behind and it's something that they can work and develop. I, I do like the, the Brighton and Brentford goalkeepers who are ahead of him in the Spanish. Ah, uh, yes, Sanchez but- and Rea. Yeah, but I have to say I'm not a fan of uh, Diego Sanchez Costa. Is, yeah, yeah. Sanchez is a liability. Yeah, <laughs> whenever, that guy. <laughs> whenever I've seen Diego Costa, I know there's a lot of talk around him. Uh, but yeah, he's looked suspect to me. There's a lot of yeah. mistakes in every keeper. I think. I think. Yeah. I think it comes down to what Ten Hag's preference is. Like, who, who, who did he work with at Ajax, and and so on? Because. You know, did he improve? It just, it's just interesting to know. You know, like when, when, uh, when you see coaches improve players, like how did they improve them? What they improve them on, and how did they take them to that extra, that that next level? And listen, that's been a key thing of his management from what we've seen so far this season. So many of our players that most of our fan base thought were dead and buried, myself included, he's come in and he's just given them a new lease of life. Mm. And, and, and you have to uh, respect that. Sorry, uh, Brush, can you name those players just for the benefit of the listeners? Are you talking about? <laughs> half our, half our fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. from, from Rash, oh, Rashford is the main one. Uh, you know, we were sat here last year not knowing what we were going to do with him. Um, I remember especially, uh, I come back to the game against Atletico Madrid uh, about a year ago where literally he couldn't string two passes together. Uh, completely devout confidence. Didn't know what we were going to do with him and the work he's put in on the training ground, uh, the work with the coaches as well, incoming, it's just it's, it's night and day. What a difference it's made. Uh, Luke Shaw is another one. Uh, it's been proper up and down uh, and he's, yeah, he's rejuvenated himself. He's even um, he's even managed to make him into a uh, into a centre-back, uh, mm-hmm. which was, yeah, it was quite shocking to see at first and he was, he's done a very competent job there. Um, who else is that? Wan-Bissaka we thought was down and out even in December uh, he's the latest one to add to the list uh, Fred um, yeah so many of them so many of them under him have come back yeah. so that, that, that's why I always give him the benefit of doubt and even with De, De Gea maybe he can work with him but we'll have to wait and see this is the that best show if we if we carry on with the if, if this carries on that means Maguire's coming back sooner or later absolutely not honey. <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> Listen, like, like, comes I, back. <laughs> like I say, uh, due to the amount of games and that, I wouldn't be surprised if he's uh, he's there in rotation at some Kyle, point. what are you going to do when he starts dropping one of the bad performances? What are you going to say then, Kyle? You're going to have to he's give him not, his props, you he know. Doesn't, he doesn't have the ability to do that at the top level. <laughs> um, um, like, Tin Hag is a magnificent coach, like, but he, he's not a miracle worker. Let's let's get serious for a moment here. Um, it, if Maguire was playing tonight, he'd have been cleaned. Uh, by Rafinha and Lewandowski and Roberto, you know, he just wouldn't have been on that level. He's too slow. He's too immobile. Uh, Yeah, see, I don't think he's totally useless. I think in the right system, um, you know, he can be useful. Uh, But for what we're building and where we're headed, I I just don't think uh, it's the right fit. Uh, I fully expect him to move on in the summer. He's perfect for like a a back three or that sort of system or a defensive team. 
Um, not for a progressive team like us. Um, he doesn't fit in. Like Varane and Martinez are perfect for the type of football that Ten Hag wants to play. Um, but McGuire certainly isn't. And, and it's all about those partnerships as well, isn't it? And you, oh, today was the perfect example. They just complemented each other perfectly. Yeah, I don't think um, Martinez and Lindelof complement each other very well. No, uh, no. Because uh, <laughs> they both <laughs> like to do similar things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Barcelona tonight, um, it, it, you know, it reminded me of kind of the, the semi final of the Champions League in 2008, where when Paul scores with that magnificent, magnificent goal to win. When we were a similar uh, situation tonight, where we're holding on at the end, Barcelona putting us under pressure, and it was really, really stressful. Do you remember that game? Wes, Wes Brown was made some vital interventions in that game, um, mm-hmm. and Messi, very young Messi, was playing there. Um, it's Frank Reichard's Barcelona at the time. That's how long ago it was. Um, I think that's the first time we've beaten Barcelona since then as well. Uh, we've lost a couple. We've lost a couple of finals to them. And been knocked out in 2019 by Barcelona, so it's, you know, and we just ha- we don't beat them that often. I, th- I think we beat them in the 1991 Cup Winners Cup final, but our victories. I was too over- young for that. Yeah. <laughs> I was too young for that. See, I'm I'm a football historian, you know. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> the one I remember was uh was the, the in the group stages in '98 uh when it was two all at Old Trafford and three all uh, at the New Camp. Yeah, um, those were magnificent mm-hmm. games as well, but. We, it's very rare that we actually beat Barcelona or put them out of European competition. So I'll take it when it comes, that's for sure. And what a week it's been in Europe for United fans. Liverpool get thrashed by Real Madrid and we put out Barcelona. You just that's that's a ten out of ten, you know, midweek for for any Manchester United supporter. Um a couple of the lads who participate in this podcast, Chris and Matthew, who are cousins, they were at a were in the one of those executive boxes uh, watching this game. So and um, I got a Text, text from one of them saying that's the most that's the best game that he's ever been to and the atmosphere was unbelievable um, yeah the start of the second half really got the crowd going didn't it Brush? Yeah absolutely we came out of the blocks firing um, I, at this moment in time I just don't know why we can't start off like that because um, obviously if you keep putting it off like this there will be t- times where we get punished yeah, you'd think Barcelona would be the type of team that would punish us, but we got away with it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, just Ten Hag, just everything he touches t- tends to uh, turn to gold. Um, so let's hope he can do it again at the weekend. Um, so hopefully Casemiro and Rashford are fit, like I say. And but what kind of what personnel changes would you expect? Would you expect Sabitzer to come back in at the weekend? Uh, Dallo, maybe? What What are you anticipating, Brush? I mean, it's a bit of a strange one, isn't it? Because after a performance like tonight, especially um, after that second half, would you want to change much? Like, you'd kind of want to keep it similar and settled uh, and hope that the momentum carries on to the next game. Um, so I guess it will come down to fitness and things of that nature. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, like I said the other day, if United beat Barcelona, they'll be on such a high, it won't even matter about fitness. They'll all be buzzing and desperate to play in the final. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's one or two changes. Potentially, Anthony could, could come into the starting eleven now after his performance in the second half and scoring that goal. He'll be on a high. Um, but he's, he's been very loyal to Vikers now, so it's hard to predict. Um, and, and the right-back situation, you never know who's going to play. Um, but I think at least eight out of the eleven, I, th- I think, will will start this game on, on Sunday. Um, so, honey, would you make United favourites on Sunday, considering Carrios uh, is going to be playing goal uh, for Newcastle? I don't know. He's done the silence. Newcastle, yeah, New, I don't because Newcastle are not the side that they used to be. They, they, we have to, we have to accept that they're a giant now in the within the. Uh, within um, within England, they might not be the biggest giant at the moment, but they will be uh, the way they, the way they're going. And uh, with the influx of players that they've had and um, the form that been that they've been showing this season, I think that I think United are favourites, but they're not favourites by far because United have played a game already, and I think it just benefits Newcastle. It just depends if they can get their main guns. Um, on the pitch that day, I think it's going to be tired. United edge it for me, but 
it's it's going to be a really tough game. I think obviously with United playing Barcelona is on Thursday, and then got a big final. But as you said, you've got momentum on your side, and when you've got momentum, that gives you that extra motivation. And this is what Manchester United has been built on. It's been built on winning. So if you if you if these guys want to be truly be known as a Manchester United team. No one's going to remember you if you don't win anything. They're just going to be like, oh, yeah, he played. Uh, he was a good player. That's all he'll be known as. Yeah. You need to yeah. win something to be part yeah. of that history. So, yeah, um, yeah. Man United are favourites and, and these boys need to do it. They need to do it for Ten Hag. They re- yeah. Because look at what he's done. So it's time to repay the faith and um, and get United over the line. And I think I also... It, it gives uh, Ten Hag a little bit of a boost as well into in the summer, saying, "Listen, I've delivered, I've delivered for you with what you gave me. Give me more, so I can deliver more." So, I think um, I think the players just need to step up and um, and get the, and, and just go for the result. Performance, remember, it's a cup final. Performance does not matter. So, um, it's all about the result. I think it'll be very tight. Um, KG, especially to begin with, and it'll come down to a moment of quality or a mistake uh, to win the game for either team. You, 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 even as a United fan, I would make United slight favourites. I know that sounds biased, but to me, you know, we're, I mean, the table doesn't lie. We are slightly better than Newcastle, as, and their form is really dipped, but I'm still not 100% confident that we've got it in the bag. Been a lot of coverage this week uh, about Newcastle. A lot of Newcastle fans m- seem to be making up songs quite a bit, and that's been broadcast quite a bit. The, a lot of coverage has been about them, you know, probably because you know, they haven't won a, a serious trophy since 1955 or something. And so I can understand that. But I mean, uh, you know, six years for Manchester United is a massive drought as well. Uh, and you know, like you said, there we need to we need to get a trophy on the board because. We don't want to be like Solskjaer's Man United or Pasatino or Tottenham, you know, playing all this, winning these big games and, you know, uh, playing nice stuff, but having nothing to show for it. You know, Man United are all about winning trophies. And if Tin Hag, this is Tin Hag's first opportunity to win a, to win a trophy. And if he, if he wins at the first hurdle, that's absolutely magnificent. And uh, it definitely gives the, the players uh, that winning feeling and the, the one to go on win more than. Usually any era of success begins with winning a, a small cup competition first and then we move on to the bigger stuff. Um, so hopefully that's the way it goes. But I'm expecting a tight game and hopefully United will prevail. Uh, it is great though, isn't it? United won tonight without Rashford scoring. Now, as much as I've, I've enjoyed Rashford's run of what it was, 16 goals in 17 games, for us to win without having to rely on Rashford scoring is is, is really it's a good thing, isn't it, Brush? Absolutely. I mean, even his goal tally, I don't think anyone could have fathomed that uh, this season. Um, so, for me, it's almost a bonus, uh, the fact that he's on fire. Uh, we are a long way off the finished article. And I said that this season, the goals would be down to system. Uh, and that's what's going to produce the goals, apart from just one focal point per se. So definitely, I expect the goals to be spread out as well. And yeah, it's only right that the others step up uh, when Rashford doesn't uh, hit the net. Do you think, and I don't want to get carried away before I've got one trophy on the board, but do you think it's possible United could win multiple honours this season? Uh, the the opportunity is absolutely there. Again, it comes down to a, a multitude of things from the fixtures list uh, and the fitness and uh, you know the players being available. Uh, but yeah, absolutely, anything's possible. Um, but yeah, like I say, uh, you got to take it one step at a time as well. So bring on Sunday. Yeah, it's what a start by Ten Hag. Um, he he was. Even uh, last season was obviously horrendous, um, but even the beginning of this season, losing the first two games in the Premier League, it looked like it was kind of as you were. And after the 4-0 defeat at Brentford, Ten Hag was being ridiculed by pundits and people in the media. One, one People were making fun of his, the way he dressed, the way he spoke and everything. It was dis- complete disrespect. Um, uh there was a, there's a I've seen it been shared quite a bit online. There was one journalist in particular from the Times who was ridiculing um, Tenaga. I don't know if you saw this guy's, uh, but it was. Is this ridiculous. the guy that was following him around? 
that's around. that's Sky Sports is uh, Cotter. What do you call me in Cotterall? Um, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Was it Steve? Steve Cotterall, was it? Steve? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Gary, that, Gary Cutter. Ga- oh, um, Gar- yeah, he was funny because um, he went all the way to Amsterdam to follow him and got blanked and then came here and happened again. That whole thing was hilarious to me. Yeah, but there's a, a journalist at the Times who was talking absolute nonsense about Ten Hag after the yeah. Brentford defeat and, and mocking his appearance and the way he talks and, and so on. Um, and that clip is being re- replayed a lot now, as you would expect from United fans. Um, so he's come a long way from he's made a lot of people, you know, cry into their cornflakes. Um, Graham Sunis included. Um, can't wait to hopefully Graham Sunis is every time he win a trophy under Ten Hag, I hope Sunis is in the studio. Um, so he can sit there and tell us about how United didn't deserve to win and all United players should have been sent off and the other the opposition should have had about 10 penalties. Um, so yeah, I'm just I'm looking forward to a lot of the haters having to put up with United winning honours again. Um, I know Hanif, you're not one of them. Um, even <laughs> as a even as a Chelsea, a Chelsea fan, you're, you're quite uh, you know gracious. Um, but there's a lot of people out there who just uh, just cannot give United any credit whatsoever, um, including a lot of people in the media and, and pundits. Um, like you said, you said yourself earlier, Hanif, you don't watch match today because. The opinions that are that are being given are not impartial. Um, I didn't watch it either at the weekend, but I seen that clip being shared online of Glenniker pleading for the FA to allow Nick Pope to play. That's ridiculous. He wouldn't say that if he wasn't English, would he? Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's just one of them things. I think I think you know when you watch football right in England, and this is obviously you learn this over the years that. You'll be watching the game, and something completely different will be happening. You know, when you're watching the game, but then the commentators will say something. They'll be just like, they'll be using terminology which does not reflect the game. And for me, I just, I just think, you know, I'd rather just listen. I'd rather just watch it in silence than listen to nonsense. Uh, just, you need to have independent. Um, you need to have independent um, commentators. You really do, because some of the commentators are absolutely dreadful. They really yeah, are. And some not... of the pundits and stuff as well, Hanif. I think the only way we can really combat that is if you, if you get people that don't have any allegiances to any of the clubs being represented. Um, just just come back to what I said earlier, but the the Times journalist who ridiculed Ten Hag back in August is Alison Rudd, um, and apparently she won like a, a an award, a journalist of the year or something. So, <laughs> good. That okay. just tells you about the quality of journalism. Why, why did she Why did she ridicule him? You know, just like what? Well, well, after a couple of defeats. Yeah, after losing four 0 at Brentford. Um, uh, what has the parents got to do with it? Though? That's a bit I know. nuts. But the thing is, this if you watch that game and if you were smart, you'd see there were so many individual errors. It wasn't a team. It wasn't a team performance. There were just so many bad individual errors. And to be that's, honest, that's in that Brentford that's what that game, game, as that's bad what as it to. was, as bad as it was, even he noticed the things that were going wrong and he made changes in the second half and shored things up. Uh, but obviously, you know, if you just look at it at a glance, it's, it's a terrible thing. Um, and, you know, Dutch manager coming to a new league, uh, yeah, um, weight of expectation on him. Um, yeah, and another, another thing that was put on him was his uh, his personality. It was nothing that was attacked. Um, and I have to, have to uh, thank uh, Tottenham Hotspur's board right now because apparently he wasn't hired by Spurs because he had a lack of charisma. <laughs> apparently so according to them um yeah this is again this comes down to just our media isn't it um honestly i think we spoke about it earlier in the season carl and i said listen it's a dutch thing they're just very blunt people i think maybe we understand it a bit more because obviously we had louis van Gaal years and he was very similar <laughs> they're just so very yeah. blunt that's all it is um and you know lack of emotion and things can be perceived in a certain way I love bluntness. I, I would mm. listen to that all day long. I like people who tell the truth. Yeah, that's that's entertaining to me. And that, oh, and just just to touch on that, uh, uh, actually, like how refreshing is it? His interviews and stuff. Um, you know, I'm not for just blindly protecting players. Like you can protect them, but also critique them. And I think he does a very good job of that. Yeah, he said the first half performance against Leicester was rubbish. That's the word yeah. that he used. Um, we wouldn't have 
heard that from many of the managers post Fergie. Um, you know, there's you need to there needs to be a like kind of a blend. You can't always just protect the players in public. Yeah, there needs um, to be that balance, and uh, he seems to balance it out quite well. Yeah, he just seems to be doing everything right at the moment. I mean, where where is the drawbacks with this guy? I mean, uh, Hanif, would you say it, it's likely now that at some point Ten Hag will win the Premier League with Manchester United? Um, there's a good chance. I think the problem is is what happens with the likes of Newcastle um, entering this um, this uh, this race. Uh, you, I'm kind of hoping Chelsea might come back in a few years' time <laughs> in this race. Um, and then you've got um, Man City. I think Liverpool will be back in a couple of seasons once they sort themselves out. So. I would I would say he's he's definitely he's got the ingredients. It's just I think Kyle. I think one thing that needs to be done is if you can get that ownership resolved this season at the end of the season because it's all gone hush hush again. And you know you look at the media and I don't I don't really trust what Sky Sports say until it doesn't happen. And I think if if you were to get Qatari ownership or or, or change of ownership and you can't back the manager. I think then, I, I think there's more of a chance then because Man United fans will be happy as well. So if you keep the fan base happy, I think they'll give Ten Hag four years, and I think it'll be his fourth year where he can challenge. But he's challenging already with a squad that he's he's gonna chop and change. So if he was to get four or five more top class players, and we know one or two are gonna be world class players. You just think he's going to get closer to top position, which is highly likely going to be Man City. So for me, I think once he, I think the ownership, and then just hopefully getting the um, the manager, the players he wants as well, because I think once you get a midfielder and um, possibly a right back and maybe a long term left back, I don't know who who, who deputises for Luke Shaw. Um, at the moment, just... him and Malassia are, are doing all right. Oh, sorry, you've got you've got Malassia. Sorry, I totally forgot yeah, about yeah. him. Yeah, so I don't think he's a priority at the moment. So it just it just it just depends on. I think you need a number nine. I think every yeah. top team needs a focal point. I think Harry Kane is is there. It just depends on whether Levy will release him, <laughs> which I don't think he will. But if I think United should go for Harry Kane, I think it's a perfect fit. But I just don't think United are going to pay 100 M's. I think they'll look elsewhere for a top open coming. Especially because uh, he's only got a, a year left on his contract as well. Anyone who follows me on Twitter will know I'm a huge fan of Victor Osman at Napoli. He scored again last night. He would be my preference in terms of number nine signings. I think he's different gravy and he will certainly provide us with with goals uh, along with Rashford's goals. So I think if, like, if he was to replace Veggie in the squad, that would be a, hu- a huge upgrade and um, take us closer to, to where we want to be. Um, so obviously, yeah, for me, what we need is a, probably a right back. Um, a midfielder. A, a younger midfielder, yeah, mm. and then uh, centre forward. And I think yeah, we're, we're almost there. Yeah, so we'll wait and see what happens with the ownership situation. Don't want to get into that tonight. Um, but um, yeah, you think no matter what, the the funds will be available for Ten Hag make those signings, and he's been his hit rate in the market has been fantastic as well. Even a player like Anthony, who's been criticised by sections of the fan base and at times rightly so, even tonight he produces a moment of quality um, against a team like Barcelona and gets us through to the next round. So. You can't say that any of Ten Hag's signings have failed, given um, even Vicarus, too, he's probably not good enough to be a United player. He still brings something to the table, and Ten Hag is getting the maximum out of him. So uh, for me, I don't, I don't even want a director of football whenever the new ownership comes in. I want Ten Hag to still be in charge and making, making the calls because this guy knows what he's doing. Well, I'm sure he's not the only person involved. I would say Mitchell van der Gag is heavily involved and in uh, bringing in players and probably in fact what I know is I don't, I don't know if you saw this brush but at the game at the new camp United had something like was it eight analysts um watching the game from the stands all in United gear uh, and all employed by Ten Hag did you see that that's, that's yeah that's unbelievable yeah that was one of the changes in the summer as well um 
with the emphasis on data analysis and all that kind of jazz, uh, and it's a positive thing. I do disagree with you on the director of football thing, though, um, because in the modern game, uh, you know, it is a results-driven business and anything can happen. And most managers don't hang around for more than a couple of years. So in terms of where clubs in the modern day get their stability from, uh, is from that DOF role who can then, you know, set out uh, certain targets and, 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 and the structure of what the club's about. So I do think the manager and DOF need to be there to sort of work together to get things done. I'm not totally against the idea of a director of football, but it all depends on who it is. It has to be someone who's going to work with Ten Hag, someone that he knows and trusts. It can't just be some random bloke. Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, and obviously this goes for us. You know, a lot of it will depend on how the ownership stuff goes as well. So if we get somebody competent in, they'll do their due diligence and identify certain targets. Um, I already know off top who I would like. Uh, so guy that we're all very familiar with and again real real (laughs) no 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 it would involve raiding ajax one more time (laughs) uh it's the man with the safest hands uh edwin van der sar well he's not a director of football well he's a ceo CEO, but yeah bring him in uh and and then let him run it so he can put he can work with ten hag and put someone in place to do that because he worked in tandem with Overmars, right yeah, well, that's the guy, isn't that the Ten Hag wanted to be United's director of football, Mark Overmars? Yeah, um, but obviously, unfortunately for him, there were some uh, non-football related things as to why he got dismissed from uh, from Ajax. So I think that avenue is probably closed. Uh, funny enough, he has landed on his feet. Uh, I know he's had some health issues, but he has got himself another job, I think, in Belgium. Mm-hmm. Uh, Standard Liège, I think. Yeah, um, um, yeah, but a very, very serious health issue. Yeah, so, yeah, which is unfortunate because uh, he's still quite young, uh, what, mid 40s or something, 49 or something. Yeah, mm. but, uh, uh, ten, I don't know if that one will materialize or not. Um, even if, yeah. even if 10 yeah, but he, when, we're, when we're talking about the structure above, like, yeah, if you get in someone like a van der Sar, uh, and then he can then have someone to work with, uh, and then him yeah. and Ten Hag can be in cahoots together and discuss that, I think that would be the best way forward. Yeah, uh, no doubt it, it would be it'll be someone Dutch. Uh, if someone Dutch comes in to be a director for well, then I know Ten Hag's got something to do with this, mm-hmm. um, and that's good. But what I don't want is someone like Leonardo coming in, who's just, oh just, yeah, just... yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the, the the less said about how that club is run, the better as well, because it's an absolute circus. Uh, well, he's not he's no longer there anymore, is he? He's gone uh, from PSG. Yeah. Um, just signing like nine players in one window that are not needed. Um, that's that's the last thing I want. I just what we yeah, want that's just... the thing. I mean, there needs to be a structure to it all, and you need to work in tandem with the management. That's the key to it. Yeah, Hanif will know all about a a, a, a structure where the <laughs> the, own, the owner goes. Oh, crazy. Yeah, listen, Hanif is probably the expert in this because. Uh, <laughs> He's seen it both ways. He's seen it where where uh, Marina was there, where a lot of it was quite organised to the last eight months, which has um, been anything but any. Yeah, we we are uh, well. It's 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 interesting, you know. Our our owner was a, he acted a bit like a cowboy. You know, he had his guns out. And I just <laughs> thought, what's this guy doing? He's gunslinging in transfer market. And uh, yeah, it's, you can't you can't do it without a plan. But you know, we'll we'll see we'll see we'll see. We'll see the one happens. thing I will say though, Hanif, like uh, you know, I'm it's one of those where as a rival fan, I'm enjoying laughing at you guys now because uh, eventually I do believe you'll sort it out. Because uh, as much of a of a mess as it looks from the outside, uh, the profile of player you're getting in and their quality, I can't really dispute. So it's only a matter of time before you guys get it right. Yeah, I think I think. Listen, look, we. Um, I'm not gonna lie. When Potter got um, signed, I was a bit. I wanted Spalletti from Napoli, but you know that's just me being me wanting that type of football at Stamford Bridge. 
And uh, I just thought, okay, it's a completely different direction that you go in when you have American owners. And um, and I just thought, okay, we'll go with it. But the problem is, is even though I'm still pottering, I'm, I'm willing to give him three games. I'm very patient. I just think we're in a completely different um, world that we're in now. And the club is all over the place. But when you get a new, when you, when you are purchased by someone new, they do things their way and... There, there was always going to be uh, a period of um, teething issues. Just, yeah, oh, oh yeah, it's crazy. I still can't believe how Felix and Enzo are here. So they're here now, and you know they need you need an elite manager. You know we need we need to find our Ten Hag and the, the fan base is mad. I'm not going to lie. It's because but I the, don't the know problem... if a Ten Hag type manager would fit you guys. You know because your fan base are ruthless. They've been used to uh, a certain level of success and instantly changing stuff under Roman. I don't think they'll settle for anything else now. I think that, yeah, that's the problem, Brush. That I don't like yeah. the culture. The culture yeah, cause, is Because a rebuild for you good. guys means getting rid of the manager. Well, it has done over the past 20 years. Mm, and, I, and, and, that, and that's the problem because the, the, the fan base are just like, they want Tuchel back and I'm just like, but we sacked him. We insulted him and sacked him. Why is he going to come back for? It's not happening. And we want Marina. Uh, Kyle, honestly, the stories I've heard, I'm just like, I don't know what's going to happen. But I'll tell you I'll what, honest, then, Luis Enrique sitting there, a free agent. I'm sure there's a few Chelsea fans looking at him. Uh, there's yeah, Enrique, Hansi Flick. There's there's quite a lot of names. Um. We're just gonna have to yeah. wait and see. The season, the seasons are right off, and uh, and uh, I think uh, if we lose totally. on Sunday, I think I, th- I think the fan base is gonna go absolutely yeah. mad. So, I think it's a so matter we'll of time before Potter is sacked. Um, so I, I almost forgot to do the Manchester United player ratings on tonight, and and this is one where I really wanted to do them because there'll be a lot of high marks. So David de Gea uh, would get an eight for me. Uh, Wambasaka. Seven, Varane, an eight, uh, Martinez, an eight, Shaw, uh, seven, Fred, um, an eight point five, um, Casemiro, seven, uh, Sancho, probably uh, a five, it's probably a five or six for him, probably yeah. a five, Bruno <laughs> Fernandez, um, a seven, uh, Marcus Rashford. Hmm. I would say six uh, in this game, uh, and Vicor is probably a five. And then the substitutes, um, Anthony, yeah, I give him a seven, uh, Granacho a seven for his impact, um, and Dallo probably a six. And Scott McTominay didn't really, you know, he played about two minutes plus stoppage time, um, and, and Ten Hag for changing it again would get an eight out of ten from me. So, yeah, so Fred, man of the match, uh, I think, uh, going by my ratings there. But you, you thought uh, Varane was man of the match, then, Brush? Yeah, for me, it was Varane. But, I mean, I can't fault you for that either because that second-half performance from Fred, it was like he was like a man possessed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. he, was, he was winning everything. He, he had the energy. He just, yeah, had that never-say-die attitude. Uh, it was amazing to see. But, yeah, yeah Varane for me. Fred is an enigma, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never known a player who could be absolutely amazing and pants all in the same game. <laughs> <laughs> There's no one else like him. Uh, like yeah. Think of. Um, and, and the crowd, when he was doing his interview on the pitch with uh, Bruno Fernandes, the crowd were chatting, Fred, Fred will tell you apart again. <laughs> the old, uh, uh, also, shout out to Bruno as well. So that, that second half performance was, uh, you know, that of a captain. Uh, getting stuck in just general attitude, rallying the fan, rallying the fans together, uh, all of that, all of that. I like to see a bit of that. Yeah, it wasn't his night in terms of missing that big chance at the start. No, I mean, no, it, yeah, like, that was a great it. chance. He had plenty of space and time, uh, and it was just sort of straight at uh, Testegan. Um, yeah, I feel like if it was uh, if it was Rashford or Anthony, they probably would have uh, shot across the keeper there. Yeah, I think Rashford definitely would have scored in that position. Mm. But so he, he missed a chance and gave away a penalty. So wasn't the vintage 
Bruno Knight, but he, he worked really hard after he made those mistakes. Yeah, that's um, what I mean. So second half, credit to him for that because yeah, that's that's you know when you wear that armband, certain responsibilities come with it as well. And um, yeah, he did those things right at least in the second half. Yeah, wonderful. I'm, I'm, I heard on the on the on the radio on the way home that there was some trouble in the Barcelona end. They they were fighting with the stewards and the police and all had to move in. So it seems as if the Barca fans didn't take the the, the defeat very well on the night. And um, some of them anyway. And that's a bit unfortunate. I think, uh, I think that was because uh, Ryanair had um, cancelled all their flights. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he wouldn't be surprised. Um, okay, lads, uh, we'll leave it there. If everyone can please subscribe to the channel and get your thoughts in down below and drop us a wee like on the video. And I will see you guys again. Thank you. you. Well. Thanks for having us on. It was, it was a pleasure. All right, see you later. Bye-bye. Take care, bye.